Hey guys, Matt Gurney here, Forge and Gerson from the line. And Forge and Gerson, more so than usual this week, uh, Jen's current health struggles continue. She is here on the podcast. Um, she is feeling a little bit under the weather, so she kind of bounces some ideas off me and I run with them. Uh, stick around, though. It is a really good conversation. We talk about very serious allegations that have been made against a prominent member of the Canadian uh, media writer class and also a publishing house. We can't tell you what the truth is. We can only summarize what has been alleged by each party, what has been said by each party or uh, responded to by each party. So we get into that conversation. We do talk about firearms again. We don't get into the technicalities of it like we did last week. We talk about the politics of it. And the politics ain't going that well for the government. Dental care, a big topic of conversation as well. Also going not that well for the government here. Something of a theme running through it all. So here it is, the latest episode of The Lines Experimental Podcast. Well, a very special episode of the Lines Experimental Podcast and weekly YouTube dispatch meeting video. This is the week where Jen has just given up entirely and will do it with her kid in her lap. So <laughs> she can't hear me, right? Like I can. Oh, she can't hear you, you but headphones. she can. Yeah, she can't hear you. She can hear me though. And right now she is scribbling all over my notes, which is great. I sick babies will not be apart from their parents no and mine hasn't been apart for um three weeks now and this is why whenever she gets sick i get sick yeah that's i was saying to you before we started rolling uh my son had a touch of something this week and he's a lot older than elizabeth but he won't sleep in his own bed when he's sick so nope nope i feel your pain and i feel all my joint pain because i haven't been sleeping well Honestly, you definitely, you definitely don't feel my pain because I am definitely sick again, and I had to go to the doctor again, and he has now prescribed me my third round of antibiotics in the last six weeks, no eight. So there's like I'm going to conk out in about twenty minutes here because well, I've now I'm now on the good shit. I'm on the anti pneumonia shit. Well, we'll do a we'll do a, a quick dispatch then. Let me lead off with this, Jen, and this is something we're going to write about in uh, the dispatch tomorrow. It's something we want to talk about very carefully. And we want to talk about it in um, very uh, guarded terms because I think our, our listeners and our viewers will understand. Uh, there were pretty remarkable allegations this week made against uh, a reasonably prominent member of uh, sort of the family, so to speak, for you and I. Uh, Leah McLaren is an author and a freelancer now, I think, columnist in, in different places. She published a memoir in the summer. And I, I confess I haven't read it. It's it's a memoir of a, of a mother and daughter's relationship. I know a lot of people are really, really into that. To me, that's like what the Cardassians would read to me when demanding to know how many lights I saw. Like that, that's not my thing. Um, but it's a memoir of her difficult relationship with her, her mother. And it, the memoir was controversial. And I, again, I'm just saying this as neutrally as possible. The memoir was controversial because the mother in an essay published before the memoir was released, sort of scooped her own daughter. So um, Cecilia uh, uh, Ross, I believe, is, is her, her name, is the mother of Leah McLaren, who wrote this essay a year or two ago, basically saying, my daughter is writing a memoir where she is going to disclose the fact that I was raped when I was a child, that I was sexually abused by an adult in my life who had a, a power over me. And I don't want anyone else telling the story, but my daughter's putting it in her memoir and I'm going to tell the story first. So the memoir kind of had some controversy around it already. It was published in the summer and it, it includes, among other things, uh, a, a, dis a discussion of some of 
the author Leah McLaren's early uh, sexual encounters. One of the described sexual encounters, as described in the book, and uh, this was uh, a preview chapter of this was released, and I've read the passage, and I know you have as well. It describes a sexual encounter, a three-way between Leah McLaren, then a teenager, another teenage girl, and an unidentified teenaged male. There are pseudonyms used. Um, the book, as presented, lays out that this seems to be, like my, my read of this, and I think yours was the same, it reads as though this was a kind of a drunken, drug, drug-fueled, consensual sexual encounter among three teenagers. Okay. Memoirs published months ago, good reviews, blurbs by uh, powerful people. And just simply as a point of disclosure, it was published by Penguin Random House Canada, which is the publisher for Jen's upcoming book as well. Different editorial I, although team. Although we should, although we should note that Penguin Random House is an absolutely oh, huge it's a big company. Yeah. It's a huge company. And like within the company, there are different imprints within the company. So there's like yeah. companies within companies within yep. companies here. So, so it's not your team, but it's, it's the not same my team. Company. It's not my imprint, but it is the same sort of mother company. Um, the uh, book was published again to acclaim, uh, very well reviewed. A lot of prominent Canadian journalists, particularly women, uh, singing the praises of the book. This week, a woman named Zoe uh, Charlotte Greenberg, if I recall, um, published on Medium, which is a blog pl- a platform, a essay where she lays out uh, the allegation that the sexual encounter, as described in McLaren's book. That first of all, that she is that female who was referred to by a pseudonym in the book, and that the encounter, as described by McLaren, is not accurate. Uh, Ms. Greenberg, in, in her essay, alleges that this was, in fact, a gang sexual assault in which she was the victim, in which McLaren was a perpetrator. Oh, okay. Uh, that kind of landed with a thud in the Canadian uh, lettered community. I want to be very fair to everybody here. I don't know what happened. Jen doesn't know what happened. We have read what has been said. Leah McLaren, in a statement earlier this week, released on her personal substack, has denied the allegations. Penguin Random House Canada, in a statement posted to Twitter, has acknowledged part of what um, Greenberg has alleged, but denies other parts, because part of the allegation by Greenberg was that she had told the publisher that the encounter as described was inaccurate, that it was well, well, wait, 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 wait. This You're missing a part here, a crucial part, and that is Zoe Greenberg um, had a conversation with Leah McLaren before the writing began. Oh, Leah McLaren, yeah, claims to uh, have. Allegedly, allegedly claims to have, where Leah McLaren uh, essentially acknowledged that this was a sexual assault and apologized for it and said, hey, I'd like to write about it. Greenberg said, you know, you genuinely seem remorseful. Okay, but I would like to see an, a copy of the manuscript and make sure that what you were presenting is being presented accurately and fairly, or not at all. Which is a pretty reasonable request on on her part, given the circumstances. And, yeah, and because Zoe Greenberg apparently did not trust Leah McLaren, she then said that she had actually tape recorded this conversation. So then yeah. Zoe Greenberg, after she gets a copy of the manuscript, is like, "Nah, this is not this is not what happened." Then gets into a series, lawyers up, gets into a series of conversations with Leah's, Leah's lawyer or Leah's um, uh, publisher's, lawyer. publisher's lawyer saying essentially, no, this is not, this is not accurate. The thing goes back and forth. Greenberg claims that essentially the, the publishers kind of just ghosted her, 
the publishers appear to be claiming that um, essentially, you know, they their lawyers responded to her lawyers, and my Sounds read good. of their position is that that essentially they considered the 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 issue resolved. Yeah. So that's kind of how I read that. So there's a couple of outstanding questions on this whole case. One, what is in the recorded conversation? Because assuming there is one, assuming there is one, because it's really impossible to know who is recollecting things correctly or incorrectly mm-hmm. without hearing the actual conversation between Zoe and Leah. Um, and also Greenberg herself has made reference to this recorded conversation. So she, you know, it would be silly for her to make reference to a recorded conversation if she didn't actually have it. Um, the second question is for me is, did Penguin Random House have copy of the recorded conversation? Because if they had copy of this apparent recorded conversation, and if that conversation says what Zoe Greenberg says it says, that is incompatible with what was actually published. So both of these questions are pertinent to me. I don't, I mean, Jen, it's important for you and I both to stress that we have now made some inquiries into this matter. At this time, we have nothing that we can confirm. All we can do is recount for our, our, our listeners, our viewers, and our readers what has been alleged. But effectively, where we stand right now is that uh, Greenberg has alleged uh, two things, that Leah McLaren sexually assaulted her while they were both teenagers, and that her publisher was made aware that this was a sexual assault and failed to adequately edit the book. Those are That's the substance of, of Greenberg's allegations. For McLaren, for her part, has, in a personal statement, denied any assault, uh, and the publisher has said that it did communicate with Greenberg's lawyers and made what it felt was necessary changes. They've also said they'll be reviewing processes and considering their position, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jen, I agree with you. Uh, Until and unless this recording in some form comes out, I I, I don't know where else this will go. We'll be watching this and we'll continue to make a few inquiries into the matter. But as of right now, this is just, um, it's, it's it's a very upsetting allegation. I think obviously all of us can understand. But again, without knowing if it is true, the allegations fit a familiar pattern. This is a, a little bit unusual because the perp- the alleged perpetrator is female and the alleged perpetrator was a minor at the time. But this is not wildly dissimilar from other Me Too style allegations we've heard in recent years. No, and the other thing, two things that I think is interesting to note here is that um, uh, the actual passage that involves this apparent pool party gone gone badly wrong with this incident happened, that's actually available as a free sample chapter, free sample passage that you can read without purchasing McLaren's book if you just go to Amazon. So you can read this whole thing yourself and make your own assessments about what's there and what's not there and how edited or specific it reads to you. Mm-hmm. Mommy, I did you made a beautiful, beautiful pink scribble. I should point out once again that she cannot hear yeah. anything that we're yeah. actually talking about. So, like, she does not; she doesn't have any clue what I'm talking about right now. Well, she's um, a little young to understand the intricacies. Uh, so. You're right, but she's also only not only hearing my side of the conversation, and I'm being very careful with my words. Here. Oh yeah, no, it's um, good for a lot of reasons. Good for a lot of reasons. Um, and then the other thing I would point out is that what got really interesting is that in that passage that that uh, is that everybody can read. Um, after this incident supposedly occurs, uh, Leah then recounts a, a a further sexual encounter with this boy in high school. Um, that that you know, I I think most people would have no problem calling it rape or or sexual assault. Leah says no. The boy continues. 
eventually she just kind of gives up and relents and and, and it, it's pretty rapey all right well um, but what what happens then afterwards is that she then later talks to her mom cecily ross about this sexual encounter i'm very upset my 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 best friend you know the, the female in this case has broken up with me um there was rape she recounts all of this to the whole incident to her mother according to her own book and her mother then tries to i guess comfort leah by talking about her own sexual assault the very one that she then objected to be included in the memoir later so where, where this all gets really interesting is that after greenbird's account comes out in the medium account leah mclaren's mother cecily ross retweets zoe greenberg's account yeah condemning her own daughter so that's messed up there i i jen i don't think we should offer any more commentary except beyond noting that that's messed up but i will note as well ross has had a series of other tweets um that could potentially be read as criticisms of her daughter and this is this seems to be some mixture of a family problem combined with an allegation of both a sex crime and of corporate malpractice so i'm just saying i want dr phil in on this um i want the tape recording uh, <laughs> that's what i want anyway this is this is pretty serious stuff we're going to continue watching this um I, jen I'm, I'm sure you as as i have had previous exposures to me too scenarios um pe- people i know have been accused of of misconduct um and exonerated in fact uh which is does not often happen in in the me too realm um i think probably jen will leave it at this we will prepare something uh, for the dispatch at this time since you and i cannot meaningfully report anything that is not already public knowledge i think what we'll do in the written form is we'll simply summarize what has been said by each party yeah i think that's probably the responsible thing to do and until we have more information just kind of leave it there let's uh let me get okay i mean yeah we'll leave it there also your daughter just took off is she okay where'd she go oh she's she's fine she's just no she's just uh snippling a piece of paper at my feet here it's fine perfect that's that's exactly perfect yes staples are hours of fun um so guns let me give you an update on this one and i'm relieved to say that i did the heavy lifting on the technical stuff last week i don't need to talk about center fire ammunition and a detachable magazine. that's good because i definitely am on too much drugs, drugs to be to able to up. tolerate yeah. that yeah i'm just too tired to do it yeah. let me walk you through the politics of this though because the politics i think is more interesting i said last week i said a couple things first of all i said that indigenous canadians were going to be pissed they're pissed like we're, we've seen indigenous leadership from the assembly of first nations on down come out against this bill this week I, again i keep saying i don't know if the liberals knew the full extent of what they were proposing but what they've proposed would take millions potentially of rifles from indigenous canadians who aren't going to be happy about that um i also said last week that the ndp uh which still has a considerable rural base to its party the ndp is a weird mix sort of like hyper urban woke progressives and backcountry blue collar farmers and these and, and, are- the, and the sort of pe- people who my mom rebounded with after her divorce. You know what I mean? Are you, are you, we, we, we don't need more mom-daughter drama on this podcast, Jen. Um, but I, let's just say on the gun issue, I don't, 
I don't know if guns is the most difficult balancing act for the NDP in terms of their urban rural caucus divide, but it's got to be one of them. And I think that battle has been fought and won because Jagmeet Singh, Jagmeet Singh, I should say, I, I continually mispronounce his name and I do apologize for that. Jagmeet Singh has come out swinging uh, against the liberal bill. This is the quote from my buddy Mackenzie uh, Gray at Global News. Fix this mistake. So that's that's strong talk from the confidence and supply agreement partner. Um, and the thing that I find most interesting about this week's development, um, this week on Tuesday, it was the 33rd anniversary of the Montreal Massacre. This is a time of the year when um, two issues are sort of uh, put, in, put in the spotlight. Misogynistic violence against women and gun control. I have said before, and I'll say again, I think we have to be cautious about looking at legislative and regulatory regimes as monuments because it makes it hard to assess them as sort of as as public policy. Um, when a piece of legislation becomes a memorial to a tragedy, that doesn't always end well. Um, but that's kind of where we've been. I knew full well that the uh, liberals and the NDP were going to need to be, oh, and the bloc, of course, as well. They were going to have to be very careful about how they handled anything this week because you don't want to be making comments about guns that kind of go off script around the the Ecole Polytechnique anniversary. Just, so just for the curiosity, so I'm a I'm an I'm an asshole autistic Albertan. So like like how many days before and after the anniversary is it taboo to talk about liberals fucking up on gun control? Like That's is it like a six day? Is it like a four day? Like uh, do we have to observe like a week of silence here? Like what is the etiquette protocol? Should we ask send ask Ellie a column on this? Like when is an appropriate time to point out that the liberals are are lying on a piece of their gun control legislation? What this is, Jen, and it's a great question. This is the reverse of what we see Republicans in the United States doing. Too soon to talk about guns. This is not a gun control conversation. We we got kids that've been murdered. We got to talk about that. Keep the focus there. There's sort of a reverse version of that in Canada where, um, where, yeah, we can't talk about policy around this issue because it would be an insult to the victims. Like it's, it's the same argument being played both ways. Honestly, I don't know. Um, I, I was musing last week that the liberals were going to back off on this, but that they'd wait a few weeks, get clear of the anniversary which also serves the double purpose of being closer to Christmas when no one's paying attention. If, if the liberals can hold out, say two weeks, they're weeks away from the anniversary and it's Christmas. Everybody's carving a Turkey. Like no one's paying attention to this stuff anymore. So, but too many people actually wait in. On um, I think they've lost control of this one. I think this one's escaped containment on them. Cause not, I mean, I've mentioned the, the indigenous leadership has turned against this bill, like in, in not, not in cautious terms either like they're full out against this uh jugmeet singh fixed their mistake charlie angus and other mps in the house are roaring about this and even it's been only a few of them but some liberal mps kind of the last remaining rural liberal mps are uh breaking ranks uh oh and jen can no longer hear what i'm saying because her baby is ripping the ear earbuds (laughs) The the last remaining of the liberal um, rural caucus is kind of going, yeah, we got to fix this. So 
I thought it was hilarious this week. And again, with all the sensitivity, Jen, around Lacole Polytechnique, which the anniversary was Tuesday, Marco Mendocino and Justin Trudeau last week had the position of the conservatives are lying. This is misinformation. We're coming after assault rifles. And by like Monday, they're like, well, hey, we're willing to listen. Maybe we need to listen to Canadians. And the allegations of the Globe story are false. I d- you know what i'm not i'm for now for now i'm going to stay focused on the guns this is a, a a public policy issue now this is a gun control issue this is a legislative issue soon we need to have a conversation about why the liberals seem to have concluded that any criticism should be met with screams of that it's a lie and it's misinformation and about the possible negative consequences of that being a government's default response to criticism in any case, look, long story short, the Indigenous community is now publicly out against this. The NDP is now publicly out against this. Some Liberal MPs are breaking ranks. Marco Mendocino and Justin Trudeau have evolved their position from it's conservative lies to, I don't know, guys, maybe we should go back and look at some stuff. I don't know when the climb down is going to come, but it's going to come. The only open question to me right now is whether or not they still think they can salvage this in some way. And maybe what they do is they go, well, we've listened to complaints and we've revised our list of uh, banned guns. Or if like on December 23rd, oops, the amendment died. I honestly so here's 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 my observation about all this as someone who's not well as well versed in the technical side of all of this. So usually when it is, when you start uh, rambling on about some stupid thing that government, that the liberals are doing on gun control and how it's a technical idiocy and blah, 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 blah. Most people, and sometimes myself even a little bit, the eyes kind of glaze over. Because bluntly, the second you start getting into the minutia of arguing about whether or not something's an assault rifle or not an assault rifle or blah, 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 or technical or, or uh, whatever, you've lost. You've already lost. Because when you start arguing on the technicals, most people don't care. All they know is that, you know, if you're in the key demographic the liberals are trying to reach, guns be bad. They're going to get rid of the more the guns, the guns be bad. So getting into fact-based conversations um, and debates about this stuff has never worked in the past. It just doesn't work because this is an emotive issue for their for their base. So what I find really interesting about this one is that this is the first time I've actually seen a coalition of non not the usual suspects come together on a technical issue on a liberal gun proposal. I find that absolutely fascinating to have the NDP rural people, um, uh, uh, First Nations people, and the usual gun suspects coming to board and be like, you know, the, gun, the liberals don't know what they're talking about and they're making rules up on the fly, you know, and actually oppose it openly and aggressively is a really interesting thing. Finally, that has occurred. I think it's three things, maybe four. I'll tell you the three things I'm confident it is. Uh, and I'll tell you the fourth I'm speculating about. By the way, I just saw Elizabeth shove her fingers in your mouth. I'm starting to understand your constant illness. Um, How could it possibly be occurring? I mean, yeah, it's a real I, mystery. <laughs> All right. Here are the three things I think are at play here. And there's one more I'll add as a possible. The first thing is the distinction between some of these kinds of rifles is, as you say, technical. But it's a really simple technicality. Like, as far as technicalities go, this bill absolutely prohibits some firearms. You don't have to be a gun expert to look at, like, a picture of it and go, oh, come on. Like, that is 
obviously a hunting <laughs> like and like people are not experts in guns but like everybody has at least just enough knowledge to know that this time the liberals are lying to them and the only thing they have to do is look at it and go come on so not everybody cares even to look like you have to get people that energized and i there is still like some of the people arguing me showing up in my inbox they are trying to change the debate a little bit and they're going well how many bullets does a hunter need how fast does a hunter have to pull the trigger kind of what you were saying when you're arguing technicalities you've lost when i see liberals in my inbox arguing two bullets instead of five they've lost like that and they're not going to they're not going to pull this one out they might try to salvage some of it but they've lost and i think they know they've lost now i just don't think they've figured out how to lose um the the second point is i think this ties into and we'll we'll talk about this in a minute cuz you want to talk about dental care this ties into one of the huge problems the liberals increasingly have which is i just think a basic trust and credibility gap i think too, oh, yeah. i think too many groups of canadians have been lied to about too much stuff by this government and they might not know the first thing about rifles but they've come to suspect that these liberals play fast and loose the other third thing is a very basic one there have been some high profile shooting incidents uh, in this country of late particularly in my hometown where we've had kind of a a rough couple of months and the liberals have a real deliverology gap here and i think like i said before even if it's technical simple technicalities can still be politically effective and i think when the liberals have stretched what they're trying to do here too far it's just too big a gap between shooting outside toronto high school and duck gun in manitoba and i just think like the liberals to date have been the very very best at politics they're the greatest ones there are but we've always known and this is the fourth thing the thing that i'm not totally sure about this one's the speculative part this just feels like that thing we knew inevitably was going to happen. They were sooner or later, they were going to reach on guns, the, the bottom of the well down. They well, hit the not bottom, like that, yeah. but it, it, it almost seems like they, they've, they've, they've tapped the well and it is now dry. I think so. They've, they've not now done every single thing that they could reasonably do on gun control without taking on collateral damage there's there's no there's nothing but mud at the bottom of this well there's always collateral damage but up until now uh, well, up until, the, like, the collateral damage didn't matter now the collateral damage is starting to matter i think the the best way to put it is up until now whatever collateral damage the liberals took on guns was more than offset by gains yes and i think all of a sudden we're all seeing it's not yeah the liberals are not going to win any new voters on this one and now they're risking losing voters and also just complicating their lives. This is going to be catnip for angry Western premiers, not just yours, but others. This is turning the indigenous community against them. They yeah. have Montreal Canadian superstar Carrie Price fighting with Justin Trudeau. And do we like, want to get into that particular controversy? Eh, I mean, it's I mean, uh, I mean, it's an it's a fun little media yeah. story. So, where what you call it the the columnist todd what was his name jack todd montreal jack todd there we go 
You know what? I kind of had a personal little kerfuffle with him earlier in the week, and I wasn't planning on bringing it up because I don't want to sound like a sore loser um, or even a sore winner, depending. Yeah, but Jack Todd, uh, so Carey Price is the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens. His current professional status is unclear. He's taken a kind of an indefinite leave for mental health reasons. I don't know if he's ever coming back. Um, but he is an indigenous, he's an indigenous Canadian and he is a hunter and he's always been very public with his hunting. He posts Instagram photos, like great day out in the forest, you know, begging some ducks or geese or whatever. And he has publicly opposed the bill, tweeted pictures of himself standing with his shotgun and, uh, the Montreal Canadians organization, again, very sensitive to the anniversary on Tuesday put out a statement like we we don't stand with Kerry he's speaking as an individual and also and then like some executive told the press he doesn't even know what the Montreal massacre was and what's funny is a friend of mine who's in comms said to me immediately if the Montreal Canadians did not coordinate that statement with Kerry Price's sports agent they're in deep shit because they just made an NHL superstar athlete who's also indigenous and a poster child for seeking mental health care, look like an idiot. Every sports agent in the world who could possibly ever be dealing with the Montreal Canadiens organization is going to go, well, we don't really like that time. You threw a really sympathetic public figure under the bus and made him look stupid. Carrie Price came out and said, I'm aware of the anniversary and I stand by my statement. Very good for him. Yeah. So so, so it, anyway, we should also point out the statement that he actually made was the effect was 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 essentially that the, the liberals are are full of shit. Full of shit. They were just like, then, I'm, this is a hunting rifle. This is not an assault rifle. A shotgun in his case, because I know yeah. the gun nerds will be mad at you. You mentioned Sorry, Jack Todd Sorry and, gun nerds. You understand my point. They're very they're very persnickety. Uh, Jack Todd of the Montreal Gazette, a longtime sports columnist there. Apparently, I don't know anything about the guy. Wrote a column um, and he attempted to make a series of comments about what Carrie Price had said and he's wrong. He's yeah, he was just wrong. he was just factually wrong, wrong in the facts. Carrie Price is completely correct and Jack the, Todd was factually wrong. He or at the very least Jack Todd was I don't know if Price was Jack entirely Todd, correct cuz I didn't even read the statement fully, but Jack Todd was wrong and Jack Todd got pounced on by gun owners who tend to do that. Um, believe me, like I, I once got the caliber of a rifle long. I got like 75 emails uh, oh, God. and I'm a gun guy. And like, yeah. and there's like, they don't show grip. any mercy. <laughs> Get a grip, everybody. Um, um, but so anyways, Todd, been... you know what's interesting about Todd? I wasn't planning on bringing this up. I swear to God. But now that we are, Todd has acknowledged on Twitter that his column was factually wrong. Yeah. And he said he would correct it in the next column. That's... But that's what old school print guys think right okay well my next opportunity i'm gonna fix it i think todd's well into his 70s he's a he's a draft dodger but he doubled down because he was like yeah i'll i'll correct that once uh price you know apologizes for for bringing this up near the cold polytechnic massacre like Eh, i don't even care if he wants that was that was petulant i thought that was shitty uh, you know what? I uh, I don't disagree with you, but I don't care if Jack Todd wants to be petulant. What I will say is simply this. In the internet age, you cannot leave an inaccurate article online and assume that anyone's ever going to read the next yeah. iteration of it and catch the yeah. correction. Yeah. And I have been checked in a few days. For all I know, maybe the Montreal Gazette has since corrected the column. But the idea of I'll correct it next week is journalism dinosaur speak because yeah. people are going to be landing 
via the, the interwebs on the incorrect, on the incorrect column. column. And if there is not a note posted there explicitly, well, first of all, correct it. Second, put in a note noting the correction. And then in the next week's column, you acknowledge this. Yes. That's what we do at the line. When yes. we make a significant error, we correct the article. We mention that we've corrected the article and we note it in the next dispatch. Yeah. That's how you have to do this stuff in the digital age. So I don't care that Jack Todd was mad at me. I don't care that Jack Todd was wrong about guns. And I don't care that Jack Todd turned out to be kind of weirdly petulant about it. The only thing I care about, and I say this as a 15-year post-media veteran, post-media cannot leave an inaccurate article online. That is, that's just irresponsible. So we'll see what they do. Um. I think the only, I don't really know if I have anything more to say about guns, to be honest. Uh, I We've gone I, on long enough about guns. I'm starting to like, starting yeah, to get like that. Flag. I will say, the only thing I'm going to say is like, let's see where this plays out. We'll, we'll, we'll let the, the, we'll let the politics of this unfold, but we do at some point have to circle back to the fact that the liberals should probably stop treating every time they fuck something up as someone else lying about it with misinformation. But they're the good guys, Matt. That you know what? In June, about 6 months ago, right here on one of these videos on podcast and we put it in the dispatch, I said I think these guys are done. That it's a gut feeling, it's experience watching these campaigns, watching governments die. They're starting to feel like the Ontario Liberals. And Ouch. the Ontario Liberals probably would agree with me that they won too, won too many elections. They won one too many elections. They should have lost in 2014. They didn't. And instead of having an embarrassing, painful loss that reduced them to opposition status, and then they could make a comeback attempt four years later, they got the extra four years, and then they were obliterated in 2018. Now and, we have Doug Ford. And now we have Doug Ford. And I don't know if the Ontario Liberals are ever coming back. I'm starting to think, it's an instinct, it's a spidey sense. I'm starting to think two things. One, that the Liberals should have lost to Aaron O'Toole in 2021. Yes, if this were not the stupidest timeline, that's yeah. what would have happened. They should have lost to Aaron O'Toole in 2021. And I'm, I'm talking like for their own sake. Yes, they should have lost to Aaron O'Toole for, 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 for their ability to rebuild their party and credibility. Yeah. Yes, and instead, what I think is happening is that we have an exhausted government going to ever more weird rhetorical and political extremes to try and keep itself alive, and that only ever ends in one place. I don't know how long it takes to get there, but these thing these kinds of sequences all end in the same place. So honestly, Jen, I told you in June, these, I just, they're exhausted. Yep. And they're, they're, they're tapped out. You know, I was saying earlier in the week about guns, but I said, when you see a government just lying through their teeth about a policy area, you know, about when you see the, like, I know, like, I know liberal, any liberal listening to this won't believe this because they think I'm hostile, but I still no liberals are listening to this. Don't be ridiculous. Man. No, no. I guarantee you some of them are guarantee and only the really disillusioned ones who already nope. agree with no, you no 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 oh you think a shamrock crowd liberals listening to us no i mean people in ottawa actual liberal liberals 
Oh, okay. Hi. Hi, guys. Um, they think you and I are hostile because they see the world, they see every journalist as either good or bad, and they think we're bad. But I'm sending this as a message directly to them. I am a journalist. I don't like you guys very much, but I am a Canadian, and I never wish for a Canadian government to fail. I'm too patriotic. I only ever want whoever is the government to do a good job. Whereas I'm the opposite of you. I'm literally so misanthropic. I love it when they all fail. No, I want my country to thrive because I want my kids to grow up in the best country in the world. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. But I'm a journalist first. And I, you know, I think failure is funny and it gives me lots to write about. I'm like, this is, this is, this is, this is like, this is the, this is my yin to your yang here, man. Oh yeah. No, it's fine. I'm a journalist third or fourth. Um, and I want every Canadian government to thrive. And when I call them out for not thriving, it's because they're pissing me off. And I want it's, every Canadian government to fail just enough to give me awesome copy. I, I look at it this way. I want them all to thrive, but that doesn't mean I expect them all to thrive. And mm. I know I'm always going to have good things to write about. So let me just say this directly to any federal liberal who may be listening. I think some of you are starting to ex- suspect what I'm saying, that you're burning the furniture, so to speak. Guys, this only ever ends in one place. Eating the seed grain. You, Jen, I'm going to turn this over to you, especially because your daughter has run off. But what you want to talk about on dental care is a completely natural continuation of this exact conversation. Sure, but do we also want to talk about the Twitter files? Um, my suggestion is yes, but not today. I feel underprepared on that, and I think we might I have, uh, see. I, we might have more interesting things to say later. Well, maybe yes. I know we're working on some more interesting things to say later. Um, it's not really a Canadian story at this point. It is interesting to me that Twitter is shadow banning people. Like anybody who's been paying attention knows they've been shadow banning people. We now have proof of that. Fine. I'm just duly noting it there. But yeah, to that point, maybe we should stick to stick to our our vidig here. Um. The implementation of the Canadian dental benefit. Interesting piece by, or interesting little thread by uh, Jennifer Robson. Economist? Yeah. So basically remember that this was one of the key policies um, that underpins the existence of the coalition, effective coalition government, non-coalition government, whatever, between liberals and the NDP. Liberals agreed to implement a kind of a, a, a universal dental program. The details start to come out and it's not quite a universal dental program it's more like a universal or like a dental insurance program for people who maybe can't afford it otherwise but just better if you ask me target it target it fine cool but then you get like the details of how it works and this is i'm quoting from uh, dr robson book the dental appointment that you may or may not be able to cover out of pocket to find out if you may be eligible for an unknown amount of conditional cash benefit which you may or may not receive and may need to repay Never change, CRA. Please never change. So the actual details of how you would get reimbursed through this dental program is a bit of a disaster. This isn't, this is increased, this is rapidly becoming not like, oh, the government's going to give you your dental card and you're going to go to the dentist with it. Like, that's not quite how this is going to work. I I did see, yeah, I saw the, I think, I'm trying to remember, Jennifer (laughs) Robson, Robson, I, I know, I know who you mean. I did see the thread. Um, I, I, the only thing I will say about the thread is that I thought her criticism of the CRA was misplaced. This is not a CRA problem. They're they're the guys who have to do the bad yeah. news. 
this is a policy implementation and design yes. failure. Yes, this is this is how this was this program was designed to be implemented. Well, I mean, more to the point, Jen, it was it even like not designed because you I don't know if you remember this. We'll have to go back and look in our records here. But I think we talked about this before. You've already said the key point. This was one of the things that the liberals bought NDP support with the confidence and supply agreement, not a coalition. It's the CASA, the confidence and supply agreement. Yes, it's the coalition, non-coalition. Yeah. And in the summer, there were these stories coming out, and I think we covered them in the dispatch, and it was funny because basically the NDP insisted on Oh, the NDP being so self-serious is like, well, we know these liberals often fail to deliver, so we've built in hard deadlines, and you know they have to show us mm. tangible progress on these issues. And mm. basically, those deadlines are coming close, and the feds are like, yeah, we got fucking nothing. Like, <laughs> like we, we've agreed to do this, but we have no idea how to do it. We have no idea when we'll do it. And we have no idea what it'll look like when we do. And meanwhile, the, liberal, the, the NDP actually has no lever because everyone knows that they don't have enough money to run another election. So they can't actually call bullshit on the actual non-coalition. And Singh is unpopular and it reached, has essentially reached the max of his political career right now. So until they have a leadership replacement when, and, and kick him out for someone who actually has real potential, prime minister potential, the NDP is basically stuck hanging its hat on whatever accomplishments that it can get through this uh, supply and management agreement. And what they've come up with, with the confidence and supply arrangement on dental care is a completely dysfunctional set of vague semi promises that no one can precisely quantify. I think same thing with, with daycare, by the way. I mean, I say this as someone who, you know, Yes, if you had your kid in daycare, you know, you were now probably getting a, a bit of a subsidy for that, some degree of a subsidy. Great. But has this program created more spaces or increased quality of daycare? No. It's just if you already had a space, you now have a subsidized space, which is not nothing. But has it brought in all the people who were waiting to get in? No. Same as Quebec. It just replicated the Quebec It just replicated the Quebec and successes and failures. Um, so it's overwhelmingly I, benefiting the people who had the money to already be in a non-subsidized system money and social capital social capital yeah you know, I think the I, quebec model does i think i've told you this before that like i i had to navigate some um bureaucratic bullshit at the toronto district school board and the fact that i am fluently literate in english living in an affluent area with an affluent school and had six hours to spend on it change the trajectory of my kid's education if any of those three things didn't exist that kid does not go into where we wanted him to be and 75 years from now my great 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 grandchildren are sharecropper subsistence farmers because (laughs) great great grandpa didn't get a good education right like this stuff happens but because i had high social capital I set my kid on a trajectory to success. So, and I, and by the way, it's, it's never illegal or corrupt. It's always just knowing how to read the documents. It's having the time to call and go, Hey, I don't think this is correct. It's being taken seriously when someone picks up the phone. Yeah. And I think, um, anyway, let's get back to the dental care thing. Hilarious for two reasons. This is my takeaway. You're going to write this blurb. You, you write, you, you write it however you want. But first of all, NDP, 
Like this yeah, we is, told you this wasn't going to work well for you. We, we warned you. We told them. We told them explicitly. This is Lucy in the football. Yep. And for the liberals, the liberology. <laughs> this, Everyone sucks. Okay. So, the, uh, also one of the stories we're looking at. We're not going to do anything with it this week. Is uh, just massive failures at citizenship and immigration. Yes, we are looking, looking into at that, that. So that's not going to get into. Uh, well, the it dispatch. won't get into this one, but. Citizenship, immigration, total clusterfuck. Military is yes. a mess. We ran that piece this week about the Indo-Pacific plan that actually has mm-hmm. no plans. Mm-hmm. Ran a piece this week about medical access and dying, aid and dying. Totally dysfunctional system, about to get worse. Yeah, liberals have screwed up on guns. Uh-huh. They're screwing up on dental care. Mm-hmm. What is a file that they're currently doing well on? Uh, trying to censor the internet and subsidize media. That's, they think they're doing just great on that. That's going to be their uh, signature, their signature legislation for. Uh, if they try to run the next election on the platform of we save the newspapers, they're going down to 40 seats. Because everybody loves the newspapers. Yeah. All right. On that note, I'm now starting to feel uh, nauseous. <laughs> As I was warned, I was going to. I was warned that this particular, that the heavy duty shit was going to make me feel sick. So I, I look, shouldn't it, laugh, we, but we I gotta, just we, we, we got to hit the last uh, dispatch here or I'm going to up Chuck. Okay, so I will uh, I will prepare a summary of the Leah McLaren uh, situation, the allegations, and the counter, uh, the defenses McLaren has offered. I will write a gun update. You will do dental care. We have a couple of other things coming in as well from from friends and family of the line. I have nothing else to say. Anything else urgent on your list, or do you need to go throw up? I'm probably going to go throw up. Well, thanks, everybody. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lions Experimental Podcast. Uh, On behalf of Jen Gerson, who is currently holding her head in her hands, have a wonderful evening and a great weekend.